بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على خاتم النبيين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اللهم انا نسالك علما نافعا ورزقا طيبا وعملا متقبلا اللهم ربنا زدنا علما السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته Here we are again to discuss the case of Tawheed, that matter which is every messenger sent by Allah to his people to call them for Tawheed or monotheism. Before any legislation, before any other law, before they are required to do Salah or Psalm or Hajj or Zakah or any other worshipping, they are required <coughs> to believe in the oneness of Allah, monotheism, oneness of Allah in the side of Rububiyya or Lordship. That to believe or to, be, to believe the oneness of Allah in His deeds, like creation providing risk and so on. Then also to call people to believe in the oneness of Allah in worship, Uluhiyya. That to believe in the oneness of Allah in our deeds. Also to believe in the oneness of Allah in names and qualities. That these names and qualities of Allah wa ta'ala, no one like him in these cases, or in these names and qualities. Even if the names are the same, but the name is not the same. After the people understand this, after the people believe in this, then they are called to Salah or to Psalm or to Hajj or to Zakah. Study the life story of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sirat Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You will see that he was told in the beginning that he is a prophet. By the Surah Al-Alaq. Iqra, bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. By Jibreel when he told him in the first time that Allah has chosen him to be one of his prophets. Then he was told to arrange himself to carry this mission by Surah Al-Muzzammil. Then he is told again to warn people by Surah Al-Muddathir. Ya ayyuhal Muddathir, qum fa'anza. When you look to his life story, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will see how he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, stayed from that point until he is told or taken to Isra and Mi'raj. And Isra and Mi'raj was the second pillar of Islam. Salah was implemented. Between the first ayah descended and until the Isra and Mi'raj, that was ten complete years. During that time, no Salah was mandatory. No Siyam, no Hajj, no Zakah. Only La ilaha illallah. Only Manavism. Even the previous messengers of Allah Taala had the same 
ريكوست وما ارسلنا من قبلك من رسول الا نوحي اليه انه لا اله الا انا فاعبدون افري مسنجر هو سيرفيس بيبل اعبدوا الله ما لكم من اله غيره فرست اوف اول نفينج بيفور ذات just to ask people to believe in the oneness of Allah to practice it in their life to understand it that Allah is the only one in his lordship the only one in his worship and the only one in his names and qualities when this is very clear to people then they can't go to the second step and one of the clearest hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he sent Mu'ad رضي الله عنه معاذ بن جبل one of the best sahaba to Yemen he gave him or he told him what to do he gave him the plan of da'wa he told him the meaning of that of course he said first of all you ask them to say لا إله إلا محمد رسول الله and if they notice if in here if they accept tell them that they have to pray five times a day And if they accept, fill them to pay zakah, fill them to make hajj and so on. Why if is in here? Why not to fill them all together? Fill them, they have said, Allah, Muhammad, Rasulullah, and pay, and, 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 and. No, not and. But if. Why if? Because it has to be gradually, it has to be in sequence. If you see a kafir, whoever he is, Hindu or Christian or Jew or whoever, comes to the message you want to pray. And you know that Kaabir did not accept Islam yet. And he just said, Allah, Allah, Muhammad, Rasulullah. You will not let him come to the masjid because he's a polygist. He's a mushrik. And mushrik is not allowed to get into the masjid. Say, they want to pray with you. No, you can't. First of all, you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu an Muhammad, Rasulullah. Then you can pray. So in this case now, that was clearly how important the case of Tawheed or monotheism. Not like some people now who are working even in da'wah, they say, no, no, leave Tawheed later on. Tawheed, if you talk about Tawheed, people will be segregated. Talk about siwak, talk about salat at night. Talk. No, 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 don't talk about Tawheed later on. Subhanallah al-Azim. Whether they know better than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in da'wah or they are in the wrong way. And they are in the wrong way. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the first thing he asked people to do is to call people to la ilaha illallah Muhammad al-Rasulullah. Then after that, when they accepted that, then they told, he told them what to do after that. Salah, Sawm, Hajj, Zakah, that. In fact, Sawm, except Salah was in Mecca, rest of the other pillars of Islam was in Medina. That's why if you ask yourself a question, what about those who died in Mecca before they go to Medina or before the, the Salah was implemented. They are Muslims and they are in Jannah, inshallah. But they let pray. They let fast Ramadan, even single Ramadan. They let go for Hajj. They let pay single real or, or dinar for Zakah. Even though, since they said, Ashhadu Allah, Allah, Muhammad Rasulullah, and that was their time, they were not required to do anything else, and they died doing what they are told to do, then they are, inshallah, in Jannah. Same thing for the case now. And I told you about that story of that one brother from Sri Lanka. He was a kafir. He came to the Rauda office of Jaliyat after Al-Asr. 
after Salat al-Asr he came, he was told about Islam and he was anxious to accept Islam or to revert to Islam. That was only after al-Asr. Then he, after he sat down with the Da'iyah, the Sri Lankan Da'iyah, he understood Islam clearly and he made shahadati. Okay, up to now there is no salah to do. Maghrib not yet come. After that, he left the office and he crossed the road. Unfortunately, there was an accident and he died. We hope that he is in Jannah. But he doesn't pray anything. He just fast Ramadan. He doesn't go for Hajj. He doesn't pay anything real for Zakah. Even though he got into Islam, that's what he was, he was supposed to do in that minute, that time. If Maghrib came, then he would pray. Okay, let's take another example. Imagine a person, another than this guy. He accepted Islam after Al-Asr. He reverted to Islam after Al-Asr. He said, Ashadu Allah Muhammad Rasulullah. And then when Maghrib Salah came, he said, No, I'm not afraid. We tell him, Okay. La ilaha Muhammad Rasulullah is not enough now. You have to do Salah. And when the time of Ramadan comes, he said, I don't want to fast Ramadan. We tell him, Now another problem in here. These things would kick you out of Islam. Because you said, La ilaha Muhammad Rasulullah, in the time you are supposed to do, then you are a Muslim. But as soon as you rejected any of these pillars of Islam, then he is out. It's not just one gate in and halas. He's in, he's never out. No. There is in and there is exit. As you can see, a palace, it has an entrance, but there are some fire exits. Islam is a palace. Person gets into Islam, he may stay in there, he may be better that he come to the area of Iman, area of Ihsan. Higher and higher. But, could also get into Islam, then leave it. And that could happen easily. Na'udhu billah. As we studied before, the case of nullifiers of Islam. A person says, Laila Muhammad Rasulullah, then he breaks this Laila Muhammad Rasulullah, and he goes out of Islam. By doing a lot of things we have mentioned before, like polytheism and so on. Then, the case of this chapter, 43, it's actually, yani, completing the previous chapters, which is talking about swearing by someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or he's adding here in this hadith some other points, we'll discuss them inshallah tonight. But as I mentioned last week, that these chapters, this Shaykh rahimahullah did not put them in sequence. Otherwise he could put this chapter, plus the chapter before, the plus some other chapters coming talking about swearing in one area, but that's not a big problem in here, alhamdulillah. We can study this and go on for each point, understand it and follow it. In this chapter he made one, he brought one hadith. And this hadith, alhamdulillah, is sahih by al-Albani and by some others. Ibn Hajar and so on, the, the previous ulama, rahimahumullah. But before talking about this hadith, let's ask our question, ourselves a question. What is the relation between this chapter and the case of monophism, the book is talking about monophism. Kitab al-Tawheed means the book of monophism. What's the relation in here? The relation is that the person who refused to accept the oath on Allah, he is not glorifying Allah. Then he is breaking his Tawheed. And this breaking could take him out of Islam totally. And could not, of course. It depends on the 
feeling or the way he's saying it. The case of swearing in this hadith is giving us three points. Let's hear it one by one. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, that Abdullah ibn Umar, say Ibn Umar, in any book, you hear Ibn Umar, means the son of Umar. Which one? The famous one, Abdullah. Because Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anh, he had one famous son. That's Abdullah. He was one of the best of Sahaba. And he was one of the best يعني, people who gathered a lot of hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when you hear any time in any book Ibn Umar, it means Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhuma. Ibn Umar here says that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, do not swear, the meaning of what he says, of course, do not swear by your fathers. And whoever swear should tell the truth. Whoever swears by Allah should say the truth. And he's swearing, he's not swearing lying. By Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. This reminds you of what Ibn Mas'ud said last week, right? Last week Ibn Mas'ud was saying that if I swear, it's better to me to swear by Allah lying, not to swear by others than Allah. And we said, what's the difference in here? Both of them are wrong. Both of them are wrong. But Ibn Mas'ud was a smart Sahabi who's talking about two bad levels. One is worse than the other. Swearing by Allah, lying, this is major sin. But does not kick out of Islam. While the other one, which is swearing by someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a polyhism. It could be also major shirk. He could be out of Islam. It could be minor shirk as usual. We know it. <coughs> so whoever, whoever wants to swear by Allah, he should, he must glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He must feel the greatness of Allah. Not to lie by using the name of Allah wa ta'ala. How a true Muslim will dare to swear by Allah lying? That's impossible. Should not be, should not be happening at all. A Muslim who knows Allah, who knows the greatness of Allah, who, know, who knows the, the, who glorifies Allah wa ta'ala will not do this. So Muhammad in his hadith, he's telling us to be careful that if we swear by Allah, we should be Telling the truth, not anything else. The third case in this is that whoever the swearing or the oath made to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he should accept. Someone comes to you and asks him a question, is this yours? He says, yes, wallahi, this is mine. Then you have no other choice except to accept because he is swearing to you. But don't go so quick. We have something to talk about this. We'll talk about it in just a few minutes. So, in the end of the hadith, Muhammad is telling us that who does not accept, or the one who does not, is not satisfied, satisfied with this swearing, then he is not from Allah, يعني, he is not one of the true slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the good slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free of him, which is very dangerous, this means it's a major sin, na'udhu billah. <coughs> The, these three points, the first one we discussed, which is the not to swear by someone, by the fathers in this hadith, 
ابن عمر رضي الله عنه another book some other علماء narrated the hadith with the story that ابن عمر said that he was with some sahaba one of them swore by his father then they heard Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the back coming and say do not swear by your father actually Quraishis the tribe of Quraysh and the other Arabs used to swear a lot by their fathers because they great they, feel, they glorify their fathers very much even if they are wrong still they glorify them from where you get this? you get this from the case of Abu Talib do you remember Abu Talib while he was dying Muhammad came to him and he found two of the Quraysh's leaders Abu Jahl and some other guys attending his death Abu Talib's death so Muhammad told him oh my uncle say la ilaha illallah I will defend you with this word in the judgment day these two guys they said yeah Abu Talib will you follow your nephew you leave your father's being ah this really rings the bell to Abu Talib you will leave your father's deen for your nephew? Then he died saying, no, he is on his father's deen. A'udhu Billah. Although Abu Talib was totally convinced that the deen of Muhammad is true, he said it by his own tongue in one of his prints. He said in Arabic, I don't know if that's translated, but let me say it in Arabic quickly. He said, وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ أَنَّ دِينَ مُحَمَّدٍ من خير أديان البرية دينا لولا الملامة أو حذار مثبة لوجدتني سمحا بذاك مبينا آه now he is afraid he's saying in the beginning that he is he said I know that the deen of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the deen is the true deen they bury to the Lord they I'm afraid that people will say he followed his he left his father's deen and followed his nephew سبحان الله العظيم Arabs in that time, some other people also, they really glorify their parents and their grandfathers and their tribe and their name and their family more than they glorify Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. So Abu Talib here, he knows, he knew with no doubt that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is telling the truth and the deen he is saying is deen from Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. So why don't you follow him? يا أبو طالب why didn't you follow محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم آه just because he doesn't want people to say that أبو طالب left his father's deed so he is insulting his father in here now he doesn't want to insult his father عبد المطلب the leader of Quraysh so he doesn't want to insult his father by leaving his deed and following his nephew سبحان الله وبحمد so these Arabs in that time they used to glorify their fathers and grandfathers so they used to swear by them so this sahabi when he made this swearing by his father Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in the back and he told him don't do it this is wrong and some other hadith he said he told the sahaba whoever wants to swear he should swear by Allah or he should keep silent and so on so this is the first part of it the second part to speak the truth if someone wants to swear by Allah Taala about something, he must speak the truth. He can't lie. 
using the name of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. And this is very dangerous. Some other hadith will come inshallah later on in chapter 62. We will see how this, some people are using this swearing to make their yani, business go. They make swearing, well, I have about this for 20 riyadh. He's lying. It's only 5 riyadh. But why 20 riyadh, Sheikh? And he wants you to pay 25 or 30 riyadh. If he breaks it, he sells for you 15 riyadh. Yeah, he will say, he is swearing you bought for 20. You sell for 15? Because he's lying. And he doesn't care. He's using the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to swear. A'udhu billah. A'udhu billah. I will see this, how, how dangerous is this, inshallah. When we talk about this case later on in that chapter I told you about. The last point he mentioned in this hadith was whoever and if someone swears for you by Allah you must be satisfied. Your satisfaction in here not because this guy is the guy you are supposed to accept what he says. No, this is not the case. The case is that you are glorifying Allah. If the name of Allah is there then you will accept. مَنْ حُلِفَ لَهُ بِاللَّهِ فَلْيُصَدِّقْ أَوْ فَلْيَرْضَى مَنْ حُلِفَ لَهُ بِاللَّهِ فَلْيَرْضَى خلاص If someone come and swear to you that this is والله this is the truth خلاص take it but this is not in every case we'll explain it now inshallah comes the problem here say okay what am I supposed to do if someone comes and swear to me that this thing is this ulama rahimahumullah including our sheikh ibn atayni rahimahullah he said this is two cases this is in two cases now you have a juridical case sharia case if it's in, like in court you are in court and your enemy or the one you are having a, a case with in front of the judge he was, he, the judge will ask him to swear that this is the truth and he swears then take it there's no choice in here because it's the case of a juridical case sharia finish but the other one which is the case of materialistic cases like we said selling and when I come to buy a, 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 something and he says this is wallah I bought it for 20 years do I have to obey do I, do I have to accept and if I am not satisfied I'm going to be punished by Allah no this is it's actually in two cases or two levels again this case of materialistic swearing in two levels first one is if you are sure that this guy is lying or mostly sure that he is lying do not believe him you are not going to be punished do not believe him I know this book I bought it already for 50 riyadh and he said well I bought it for 20 he's lying maybe sometimes if you look to the book you find the price in here it's only 50 riyadh and say, well, why is that supposed to be 50 riyadh? Then do not accept it. Don't, you are not going to be punished if you don't. Although he's using the name of Allah still, you should tell him you are, make taqwa of Allah, taqillah. You are really insulting Allah by using his name to, to sell your things. So you are not required at all to, to believe him. In the other case, the second one is, if you think it's, true or probably it's true then you have to accept you saw this book already in one, one bookshop and you really saw the price was 20 riyadh and he's swearing it is, he bought it from, by 20 riyadh accept because it's true or you think it is really and you, you know the books and you say well yes this book could be 20 riyadh 
then it's accepted. So now we have two different cases in the case of material. While material succeeds, while Sharia we already finished. Sharia you have to accept, no doubt about it. But the case of material succeeds, then you have these two choices. If you think he's telling the truth, or probably he's telling the truth, then you are supposed to accept it. That's where in the Fala Tabarqa Ta'ala, and yes, that's what he says. But if you think, or probably he's a liar, then don't accept this swearing, and you are not going to be punished. And this hadith will not be implemented in you if you refuse to accept his swearing. That makes it easy for us to follow. Because some Muslims sometimes, when they read this hadith, they say, ah, any swearing he will take. Even if a Hindu or a Kafir or a Christian will swear for him, he will accept it. Because Allah, we have a hadith, yeah. Whoever swears, swears, this is يعني, cold understanding, they call it. Cold, freezed understanding. No. When you take it this way, you understand that you are supposed to accept if this guy is close to truth, but not the eyes the other way around. The case of glorifying Allah, we cannot go just like this without really discussing this case. If a person really glorify Allah wa ta'ala, if a person really understand the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his life will be changed. Totally changed. How's that? Okay, let's take true examples of people who glorified Allah wa ta'ala. Let's start with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That man, alayhi salatu wa salam. Whenever there is something from Allah wa ta'ala, he stops. Anything he is told to do, he will do. He enjoys reciting the words of Allah most of the night. His feet were bleeding. But he is enjoying to recite the words of his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. Doesn't that give you the feeling that he, is, يعني, he, is, he knows the greatness of Allah? He is glorifying Allah wa ta'ala? Whenever he is insulted personally, he forgives. Whenever there is things wrong from the people to Allah, he gets so angry. Because if it's for Allah, it's a big case. It's for ourselves. Alhamdulillah. No problem, inshallah. Allah will reward us. Unfortunately, lots of Muslims, they really made it vice versa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is insulted, Quran is insulted, Muhammad sallallahu is insulted, Deen is insulted, people are talking bad things about Islam. Allah, ma'alish, ma'alish. But come to him and let someone say a bad word to him, what is he going to do? Ah, he will become rich. He will start to fight. Subhanallah, you feel, we feel ourselves are better than Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. We get angry for ourselves, we don't get angry for the deen of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never got angry for himself. But he gets so angry when it comes to the case of the deen of Allah wa ta'ala. He may shout to some of Sahaba if they do something wrong, totally wrong. He used to love Umar ibn Khattab Allah But when he saw him once carrying some papers, few pages of Torah, Old Testament, he was so angry. And he started to give him hard work. 
Yeni bir hisset sallallahu aleyhi ve sellem, o Umar ibn Hattab diyor, arıza tesbih edebat oraya hazırlıyor, arıza tesbih edebat edilir Allah, dediyor Resulullah bu ne haber eden? Vay arı kalemciyiz, dediyor Resulullah bu ne haber eden? 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 Dediyor Resulullah bu ne That's Muhammad وسلم. He got so angry, he took the beard of his brother, shouting to him, what have you done? Why didn't you stop them from doing this? He just got angry for himself, alayhi salatu wassalam, but he got angry for Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala. Now those people who glorify Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, they know the greatness of Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, they will get so angry when the deen of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, is touched. But for them, alhamdulillah, for ourselves, we should really be so easy. If someone says bad things to us, alhamdulillah. Like one of the good ulama who was walking once, mistakenly he pushed someone or he hit someone, and that one does not know this alim. The one who is pushed or... He looked at him and said, are you a donkey? And a himar? He was telling the alim, the scholar. He said, no. No, I'm not a donkey. You don't get stronger, you don't know me? I am the scholar of special flesh, kill him, fight him, throw him. No, 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 just no. So one of the, the, the students of this alim, who was walking with him, said, Yeah, Sheikh, didn't you hear what he said? He said, I did. And didn't you hear what I said to him? I said, no. He asked me if I am a donkey. I said, no, I'm not a donkey. This is to, to, this is to, to how to, to you, to, uh, control ourselves. This comes only of the greatness of Allah. When persons really great, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, feel the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they will be with things so way, so correct way, that a Muslim really thinks that the deen of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and his deen, and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are in the top. First of things, nothing before that. Then comes things gradually. For myself, for my personal things, it's all right. Because whatever I'm losing in this dunya, even I'm treated unfair, I'm not losing actually. There. I've gained them there. If people hit you, we will take money from you, we will shout at you, insult you, treat you bad, they have the, the power, this, that. Don't be so afraid. Don't be so sad. All of this you will get them there. There is subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah there. He is counting different for you. So, comes the point of glorifying Allah. Some people say, how can I have, or how can I feel the greatness of Allah? We are told already. We are told already. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his holy book. And by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his hadith. We are told to look to the signs of Allah. The signs, that's the book of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, hadith of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the signs which is around us, including yourself. If you look around, 
Ama sonra Hz. Zamlı'nın suresi Gâşi'ye اَفَلَا يَنْظُرُونَ اِلَى الْاِبِلِ كَيْفَ قُلِقَتْ اِبِلْ مِيْزُ وَاتْ Kenur. Look at the Kenur. Aren't you amazed? This is a huge thing. Maybe you don't have this in your country. Maybe, but you have seen them in here at least. Once or twice. Haven't you seen this? How, how large is this, this camera? How strange is this camera? How high is the head? How high is the hump? All of these things can carry, driven by a child. With a rope. How is he created? Subhanallah al-Azim. The other ayah. وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْسِرُونَ And don't you look to yourself? Look to yourself. How, how are you going? How are you moving? How are you talking? How are you hearing? How are you seeing? All of these things who gave it to you? Who made your heart beating for thousands, millions of times? Who made your lungs take the air? With oxygen, sent out the dioxide of carbon. It's two, it's, what's that? It's two or la? It's two. Good. At least we have some chemistry case. But who made this for you? Why your finger goes this way, doesn't go the other way? Why your legs and thighs go only bent to one way? Why would it bend the other way? You cannot walk. Why your kidneys are taking the liquid? Dirty, clean it, send it back to your body, clean. Take out the dirty things out. You need another. Who told them to do this? Who made them to do this? Did you? Your father? Your mother? Your parents? Your people? Nobody. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Guys, look at Look at this case. Think of it. It's not only a grace, it's something amazing. When they try now, nowadays, where advanced things are going, they try to resemble the kidney. They bring يعني, a machine like this air condition or more just to do the job of the kidney. To take the blood from the body, clean it, send it back to the body. This, this much. Of, maybe in the future will make it this much, but still. This is automatically without your own tiredness. No problem. Just it goes like this. Allah gave you this. So, when you see these things, you will be so grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will really feel the greatness of Allah. A few days ago I was watching one of these clips about tsunami. You know tsunami. Wallahi yaqi, I was. Subhanallah, water comes with 10, 20 meters moving, pushing everything in front of it. The water is very soft. If you just play it around with the water, it's water, it's water, nothing. It's easy. It's not harsh. It's not tough, it is not hot. It's, it's water. But this water really destroyed towns and towns. Subhanallah al-Azim. Hurricanes. Earthquakes. Go on, go on, find out. How many kinds of animals in the sea? Can anybody count? Can anybody count? Who told Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that and the bottom of the ocean is so dark that nobody can see his hand if he takes it out. What about Muhammad Hassan that? Were there any kind of ships or... No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Muhammad Hassan that in one ayah when he said subhanahu wa ta'ala about the kafirs, waves, in top of waves, now waves, in top of waves, and top of them are clouds. 
that if a person takes out his hand, he cannot see it. Darkness. Up to some years ago, say one century, they used to believe that waves only in the top of the, on the surface of the ocean. Only. But later on they discovered that there are some other waves inside the ocean. Not only the surface, but inside also. And because of these waves, the light cannot come into the bottom of the ocean. And they discovered also, they discovered also some kind of fish in there which has no eye. It's, how it's moving? It's moving, subhanAllah, with the rays or sending this rays to see their way. SubhanAllah Who made this? Who made it? Who told Muhammad about it? Then you feel how great. Sometimes we need to study the Quran and Sunnah to find the strong signs. Sometimes we need, we need to study the things around us, this universe, to feel how great is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just to remind you of Surah, the, of, of Ayat al-Kursi. You know Ayat al-Kursi? Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyu al-qayyu. He said subhanahu wa ta'ala in the end of the ayah, وَسِعَ كُرْسِيُّهُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Kursi, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said, is the place for the feet of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. Ibn Abbas said, not me. Somebody said, oh, you are saying that Allah has this. Ibn Abbas said. And Ibn Abbas, of course, the Turjuman al-Quran. Habr, as Muhammad Hassan called him. Now, this kursi of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala is containing all the universe. So where was the arsh? Of course, it's a lot larger. Then, how do you count yourself? Now, let's start from you. I saw one of these clips on YouTube, starting with the... Um, a leaf of a tree. So close that you can see the veins, if there's any veins on the leaf. Then they move out, 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 out. Until they go billions and billions of kilometers, you will see Earth goes like this, the solar system goes like this, then the galaxy of Milky Way goes like this. Then How many Earths in this world? You cannot remember. You cannot do. How many suns? Unbelievable. Our sun counted as middle. Because they say the suns in this universe are levels. Start with the red one, then the brown one, then the yellow one, which is our sun, then the white one, then the blue one. And blue one is the strongest. So our sun is not the strongest then. No. It's our sun here, only part of this galaxy, which is called Milky Way. What about the others? Oh ho! You can't believe it. And who, who controls this? We never heard that the sun hits the earth, or the earth hits the other planets, or some are... We never heard of this. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one controlling this all. How great He is. How great He is subhanahu wa ta'ala. Leave this huge thing, Come back to the small, very small things I told you about before, the AIDS virus. Cannot be seen by the eye, their eye, unless it's magnified 300,000 times. This three tiny, small thing, human being could stop it from destroying them, or destroying the bad ones of them. The drug people, the homolot people homosexuality 
Subhanallah Rabbim. This virus, every time they bring a, 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 a medicine for it, it changes. So the medicine is no use. They make another medicine for it, it changes. Subhanallah Rabbim. Who made it this way? Allah Subhanahu wa Up to now, as far as I know, they could not find any medicine for this age. Muhammad Sallallahu told us in his hadith that if people, when people start to do these things, dirty things, until they show it to people, then Allah will send them some kind of sicknesses they cannot find it and not in their fathers and mothers or their sisters. AIDS was not never went there. Although the civilians, they wanted to throw it to Africans or to Amazon jungles or to some monkeys. No, ya habibi. It was not the monkey who brought this aid. It was those people who are doing the Qawm Ruth way. And this is the punishment of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. All of these things, put them in mind, look them around, then you will see how great is Allah. And when you see the greatness of Allah, then you will obey every order of Him, then you, you will be capable of driving yourself. Because our souls are really trying to drive us to the wrong way. So we are supposed to try to drive them the correct way, that is if we feel the greatness of Allah. You go home tonight, go to your bedroom, turn off the light, lock the door, stay alone there, and say, I'm alone. You can't. Allah is with you. You can't. You never can be alone. Allah is always with you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's just a quick discussion of the case of the greatness of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, just to remind us that we are only first of Him, and we are supposed to obey Him in every case, to do or not to do, that's the case we are supposed to follow him subhanahu wa ta'ala in every case he told us to do and we should refrain from doing things that he told us not to do so we will be in the safe side and the correct way and we'll be happy in this dunya and judgment day inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept what we have said and I am happy to hear your questions if you have any. Yes sir. Okay, thank you for this question, yes. Uh, there are two points in here. Uh, let's take a good example, Sheikh Ahmed Didat, Rahimahullah. Right. First of all, Umar was punished by Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because Wahi was still coming. So nothing to be accepted that time, only Quran and Sunnah that time. Only Quran, especially because he wants his Ummah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, wants his Ummah to take Quran only, not mixed with any other things. That's one point. Taib, after his death, after the wahi stopped now, the Sahaba wrote the, the hadith, although he told Sahaba in his life to Sahaba not to write hadith. And whoever writes hadith, move it, erase it. Because he doesn't want anything to be mixed with the Quran. Now, after the death of Muhammad and the wahi stopped, we have another condition to say, okay, you can read anything. The condition is that the one who is reading these things, is, he needs this, this in order for, to make this for da'wah. And if we want to talk to the Christians, like Ahmadidat Rahimahullah, he studied their books to answer their, to just stop them where they say, no, our deal is correct. And if you come to a Christian and say, listen, uh, why don't you accept Islam? They say, why don't you accept Christianity? You tell him, well, because Islam is correct and your deal is wrong. You say, prove it. You prove it. Same thing if you are working in an area or you are making da'wah in an area of uh, Sikh. Or area of Hindus. You will learn that deen. 
Just for this point. But not everybody. Not every Muslim say, come and, and this is the same thing for the English language, by the way. And you can do the same thing. You are not supposed, not every Muslim should learn English. Why? Our people in here, they are learning English and they are losing Arabic. Hello. Let's do this. There's a problem here. We are supposed to know our deen, our Quran and Sunnah language, not to go, okay, if we read this English, we can't study, no problem. Muhammad Wasallam told Zayd ibn Ka'ab, or Zayd ibn Ha'ab, so Zayd ibn Ha'ab, one of the Sahaba, he ordered him to go and learn the language of Jew, Hebrew. And he learned it. Because so he, was, he did not trust Jew in their uh, writings and so, so he told Zayd ibn Ha'ab to go and learn the, their language for this purpose. But not everybody is Zayd ibn Ha'ab. Not everybody in Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Not everybody to learn God is... No, 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 I want to send my children to this English language school. They will be advanced. They find jobs. Subhanallah Alaihi They get jobs and they become fantastic and wealthy and they, they lose their deal. What's the, what's the benefit now? Where's the benefit? Where's the benefit in here? Okay, if they are good Muslims and they, they learn something they need it, fine. But not everybody. Now everybody is just dumb to English. Dumb to this language. What? Same thing for the case you asked. That's correct. Thank you for this question. Hmm? Yes. That? Oh, that, that depends on the judge. The judge actually does not ask. In, in Sharia, if two guys are having a quarreling or, or uh, yani, uh, disagreement, they, in Sharia they say, the one who makes the claim should bring proofs. If he cannot, the one who is the other side should make an oath, which is swearing. Not okay, one of them. No, one of them. So one of them brings the proofs, or the other guy will make this wearing. So if the other guy makes this wearing, khalaf. This is in case of Sharia. In front of a Muslim judge. Don't take me to civil court. Astaghfirullah. Thank you for this. This is a good remark. I don't say, I did not, I do not, I did not mean that Allah is everywhere by Himself. But by His knowledge. By His knowledge. Uh, the problem here actually says that some people they say Allah is everywhere means He is with us Himself and everywhere. This is wrong. Allah and His Arsh. Ar-Rahmanu al-Arsh istawa. And the only times that He is leaving His Arsh, we don't know how, but Muhammad told us in the hadith that He comes in the last third of the night to the closest sama, heavens to us, a sama dunya, to see who is, and He says, whoever wants uh, something he asks, I'll give him, whoever uh, asking forgiveness, I'll give him forgiveness. But the case is this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will believe that he is on his arsh. Ar-Rahman wa al-Arsh istawa. He's not in everywhere, but he is everywhere by his knowledge. Yes. Yes. He is the same thing, by his knowledge. By his knowledge. He knows everything. As Alhamdulillah says in the hadith that, Yani this whole universe in the hand of Allah like a small thing moving in the air in your hand. This is very dangerous to point in here. Don't, don't say my hand and the hand of Allah is the same. No. But say, he gives us an example. If Allah has this whole universe in his hand, you know, he's so close to it. He's so close to it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He knows everything. In fact, as we said last week, or the week before last week, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heals and sees the, the, sees the black ant, ant in a black rock in a darkness. 
So he's worth by his knowledge, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he knows everything. So if we lock the door of the bedroom to the, the light, okay, we are not alone. Allah is with us, but by his knowledge. Jazakumullah khair for listening. We'll see you, inshallah, next week.